Welcome back, Cole Jackson of Two Guys Watching Football on YouTube. Someone was like, oh, are you going to do Kyle Hamilton? And I, I replied and said, no, there's no point doing guys that are like consensus top five picks. <laughs> so that, I keep joking because the Ravens got, I mean, this has been well said, but the Ravens got so much value in this draft, um, which I think was a resounding theme of this draft class. So many of these guys are coming into good situations here in Baltimore. Welcome into the lounge presented by DraftKings. We're still kind of breaking down the draft a little bit now before we turn the page completely after rookie minicamp and two OTAs. Uh, so today we have a special treat. And, you know, Garrett and I, obviously experts in all things Ravens. Yes. Clearly. Yes. And when I say all things, I mean all, except for film. Oh. Except for film. <laughs> <laughs> except for the film breakdown. You know, we're just, we're, we're geared differently, I would say. You know, I take the big picture approach here. Oh yeah, big picture. That's the thing. Sometimes I take the yucks yucks approach. <laughs> you got to go big picture. You know, you can get into the weeds and the nitty gritty, but sometimes you got to scale it back and take the big picture approach and just look at everything. And that's that's yeah. what I do. And yours is the yuck yucks approach. <laughs> <laughs> I'll actually say this on a serious note. Ooh. One thing that's um, really been cool to see in recent years and and i think this is in sports in general and and specifically i see it a lot in ravens is kind of this like uh you know other wing of the media of like fan media Mm -hmm. and you see people that have these like really niche kind of lanes that they're in whether it be cole with film breakdowns uh you know pre-draft or even during the season of games ken mccusick is another guy you know there's just a lot of people out there I, I I won't list all the names because there's a lot of you out there, and I don't want to have anybody feel shortchanged. Yeah. Um. But like, big props. Honestly, I'm I'm a big fan of all of you, um, uh, because I think there's enough pie for everybody to eat, and you all like. I just love seeing passionate people do things they're passionate about. Yeah. I also think that the conversation and the the, I guess the the intellect around the conversation has been elevated. I agree. And like, there's just. Part of that is that I try to bring it back down. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it gets a little too intellectual, <laughs> a little too smart for me. Yeah. I try to bring it, rail it in a little bit. Yeah, when you're feeling like there's too much of an elevated conversation taking place elsewhere, <laughs> you don't always come back to the lounge. <laughs> no, no, I, I do. I, I honestly feel like that just kind of the availability of media and content has allowed lots of different people to get in and in on the action. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all these different you know, vehicles of consumption, we could go down this whole other podcast discussion route, but, but I, I just, I really do feel like the availability of like the content to the fan who can be kind of a, a media slash fan mm-hmm. has just allowed this really cool conversation to take place. And Cole Jackson is one of those people who has uh, built a niche in, in yeah. looking at tape and uh, as a Ravens fan and uh, like listen- spends a lot of time on it. Yeah. Like props. Yeah. Listeners will remember we had Cole on uh, right before the combine. Uh, to kind of give an assessment of what to expect at the combine and some of the prospects to watch, and we talk about some of the guys Ravens ended up drafting. We'll, yep. we'll get into all that, uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm totally with you. It's it's been fun to see that development take place over the last few years. Yeah, so let's jump into the interview with Cole Jackson. Well, we are thrilled to welcome back Cole Jackson of Two Guys Watching Football on YouTube. Cole is a film breakdown analyst expert. Uh, and we brought him on here to talk about the entire Ravens 2022 class. Uh, so Cole, welcome back, man. 
Ah, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, I've never been called an expert before, so this is, <laughs> Boom. this is a monumental day for me. Boom. <laughs> Should we go next time you come back, the third time you get guru? Yeah. Done. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, Cole, uh, for years I've been giving Ryan a hard time for his, you know, whenever we're talking about prospects, he just says, I watch the YouTube highlights. It used to just be that the YouTube highlights really meant like not actually doing research, but now people like you, <laughs> and you're a huge reason why watching your YouTube channel has added some like credibility to just saying, well, I just watch the YouTube highlights. Well, like, mine's just the cut up of the highlights. So I, I'm not, exactly what I'm yeah. saying. You don't actually watch like the, the comment, you know, you haven't watched the, the commentary. breakdown. Yeah, no, that takes too long for me. <laughs> Although I love Cole's program. I love what Cole does, you know. I know you basically added validity to this. I just watched the YouTube highlights approach. So I guess thank you. And you owe me an apology for that because now you make him sound smarter. So uh, both of those things are true. I'm putting endorsed by Ryan Mink. (laughs) There we go. There we go. All right. So Cole, let's jump right into it. Uh, I guess the first question I have for you, this isn't film breakdown. Was there any way, just be honest with us, any way you thought Kyle Hamilton was getting to the Ravens? Absolutely not. And so the funny thing is, I keep joking because the Ravens got, I mean, this has been well said, but the Ravens got so much value in this draft Mm -hmm. that I had a lot of these guys already just film clips done. Like I had already done videos on Travis Jones and all these other guys, but I didn't do Kyle Hamilton. And I remember I had a tweet from like, (laughs) I want to say February. And someone was like, oh, are you going to do Kyle Hamilton? And I, I replied and said, no, there's no point doing guys that are like consensus top five picks. So that just speaks to my impression of where I thought Hamilton was going, that I didn't even think it was worth doing a film. We we had the same thing. Yep, we had the same thing. So we did like five things to know about all the prospects prospects that we thought the Ravens could take at 14. Kyle Hamilton was not one of them. We did like 15 of them. Mm -hmm. We thought we had every possible scenario covered, and we were like, didn't do him. But anyway, all right. So it's Kyle Hamilton, Ravens fashion, exactly. Ravens fashion. So what what stands out to you about Kyle Hamilton? I think when you get into the film, uh, one of the missing pieces around some of the coverage of Kyle Hamilton is really how versatile he was and where he was used in that Notre Dame defense. So mm. I went in and checked the PFF draft guide just because they they do a lot of good work on alignment. I think it's really helpful for secondary guys. So <laughs> he actually only aligned 114 times as a deep safety. He had 87 box snaps and 227 in the slot. So they used him as, hmm. you know, a star, a dime backer, um, you know, a ton of things that I think when you think Kyle Hamilton, the safety, you're expecting kind of like split safety looks with Marcus Williams or like, you know, the question was, how does this fit with Marcus Williams? But I just don't see him. That's not what he looks like on film. They moved him around like a defensive chess piece. And what makes me so excited about this Kyle Hamilton pick is there's no better compliment to him to help him assimilate into the NFL than a guy like Marcus Williams. So it just makes the yeah. one-two punch of, you know, redoing this safety room this offseason, it makes so much sense. And so, you know, the Ravens obviously are are, are still rebuilding their cornerback depth, but he's going to help out, you know, do some slot work. He's going to do some of the things that they envisioned with Jimmy Smith uh, for like a tight end matchup guy mm-hmm. where Jimmy was kind of in his last couple of years that cornerback safety hybrid that's the type of thing Kyle Hamilton can do but he's so good that he can also play split safety he can play deep and you know Marcus Williams can do some creative things and that just gives Mike McDonald a ton of tools in his toolbox yeah a question I have on that is is 
does that how does that translate to the NFL because sometimes you see a guy in college who they say well he lines up all over the place he's a, li- a bit of a positionless player and in some ways you're like that's great and then other times that's like a knock and that honestly might be right. part of the reason why Kyle Hamilton makes it to the Ravens at 14 because there's this question of like well how does that translate is you know what 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 does he is he a true safety who's that guy for the Cardinals the Cardinals Isaiah, Stra- Simmons. Isaiah Simmons exactly that hasn't really worked out for them like what makes Kyle Hamilton different I think I think the big thing with Kyle Hamilton that makes me very confident in him is, and people knocked him on his long speed. He didn't run an ideal 40 time. People kind of linked that to maybe him falling. But it's his play speed is so high, and that play speed is the mixture of your athletic ability but also your mental processing. His processing is lickety-split, top-notch. And mm. so I think that's the piece that – and I'm not saying Isaiah Simmons is, is bad or anything. I'm not trying to mm-hmm. knock him. <laughs> but I just think Kyle Hamilton – is a much more natural football player to kind of step in and do some of these things. I also think the Ravens having Marcus Williams and Chuck Clark, two vets around him will really insulate and in what they're going to ask him to do instantly. Um, you see some of these guys, you look at a guy like even a Hassan Reddick, who was asked to do a lot of different things as a young player, and it took him longer to kind of get to that role. And so I know that's an edge player, but I'm just saying right. with a young player, you want to kind of, put them in as simple of a role as humanly possible for them to let them assimilate into the game. I think the Ravens are one of the few spots that really help Kyle Hamilton. It's kind of like that perfect matchup. He makes sense for the Ravens as someone that can step in, be a difference maker, playmaker, get his hands on the ball, all that good stuff. And in exchange, Kyle Hamilton's coming into a place where I think his role will be very simplified as a young player. Interesting. It makes me think that he also plugs in well with Chuck Clark. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about, well, could the Ravens trade Chuck Clark or they ultimately cut Chuck Clark, whatever, right? Uh, But listening to you, it sounds like there's very much a way that they can have all three on the field uh, for the Ravens defense. Absolutely. And there's that graphic that's out there of all of the alignments Chuck Clark played in. He like played, you know, as an inside linebacker, some split, uh, right. split safety, deep safety. Um, and there you got Kyle Hamilton to do some of that. And we've seen Mike McDonald at Michigan use three safety looks with how versatile Daxton Hill was. Um, they had their uh, fifth year safety uh Last name's Hawkins, can't think of his first name, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hawkins was kind of that box guy. And then number five on Michigan played a lot of deep. So it's like you've seen the current defensive coordinator use these three safety looks and move guys around and get guys in positions to succeed. And I think what ties that together is having a true deep center field safety, which the Ravens now have in Marcus Williams. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to Tyler, Linderba- Tyler Linderbaum, who I think he's kind of funny that the Ravens picked him because I, you know, I watch you on Twitter, Cole, and my guy Neil West, who I'll also give a shout out to, <laughs> and he gets a shout out because he sent me beer. So, A, <laughs> Neil is already in my good graces, but Neil was, was banging the drum for Tyler Linderbaum and saying this guy's like a generational talent at center, just too good to pass up, even though he doesn't fit the Ravens' typical mold. And you have, I'll, I give you both credit for sticking to your guns. You were like, no, the Ravens aren't going to take Linderbaum. Like, it's just, like, it just doesn't fit. And then they took him. And to your credit, you ate some crow. <laughs> you you like you fessed up on Twitter, but um, but you also said that Linderbaum's a very talented guy. It wasn't like you were dogging him in any way. Um, so what is it about him and that makes his tools, uh, you know, overshadow the the lack in size? 
Yeah, and shout out to Neil. I, I made a $100 donation to the Canadian Wounded Warriors Foundation. We had a bet going. Nice. He was that confident, and I wasn't. And so, <laughs> you uh, paid up. You're a man of honor. It went to a great cause, too, so we love to see that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, when, when I was on with you guys before the combine, because I, I didn't know Linderbaum at that time wasn't going to participate, mm-hmm. I thought he was going to tear it up just because of the athlete that's on film. And so, you know, as a player, loved the player, just didn't love the fit. So, you know, now it's like, okay, the Ravens picked him. What, what's the most important thing? So, you know, I went back through uh, some games have gotten added to the library I have, and I really tried to isolate those one-on-one situations where he's going to be doing a lot of down blocking, mm. uh, you know, pushing one text off the line and just tried to isolate, you know, what, what, what is the fit? What are they seeing? And you do see a lot of stalemates. Um, he's not necessarily driving guys two, three yards off the line, but he's not necessarily losing ground. And that's probably just enough that the Ravens are like, no, this guy can do it. Stop talking, Cole. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, and to their credit, that's why these guys get big, big bucks. Um, so, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. I think the biggest thing with Tyler Linderbaum, immediate, you know, value add and pass protection, which mm-hmm. was a priority. I think they wanted to get, you know, they, they wanted to do the, the great wall of Lamar and they're on their way to doing that with some great additions in this draft and in the off season. And Linderbaum makes sense in that, that context. He's a great pass protector. Um, so good at refitting his hands. People are going to speak to his length a lot. That's going to be the big conversation, you know, with those tiny little T-Rex arms, how can he do it? Um, and there's some great work out there. Jeff, I don't know what Jeff Saturday has been doing, but he's basically doing a media, uh, we'll call it a media road show because he's been on so many shows <laughs> lately and he's, exact same arm length, undersized center, mm. and was one of the best to do it in my generation of watching football. So, mm. um, you know, no better guy to listen to. But, you know, the way he refits his hands, I like to say he's got the Mr. Miyagi wax on, wax off. He's, he's got black belt certified hands. Um, <laughs> the way he refits guys when he loses his leverage. He, I always speak to elbow torque when I'm talking about centers that kind of are working inside. So when you see his elbow break up and he starts to chicken wing, you see him kind of scoop under and that's the wax off move that you mm. see a lot. Um, <laughs> so a lot of that good stuff on his tape where I think he's day one value add and pass protection. I think they're going to see him as, you know, he may not be drive blocking guys off the line, but he's going to win those stalemates. He's going to allow uh, time to get gap plays going. And then obviously this gives the Ravens um, a very huge opportunity to run more zone. Right. And so that's the fun part. Those concepts are installed. Greg Roman uses those concepts. He just doesn't use them at a high percentage, which is why I was so low on Linderbaum. But mm-hmm. you'll probably now see a bit of an adjustment in terms of play call. Yeah, that's what I was curious about. We, we had a chance. Um, Director of Player Personnel Joe Ortiz sat down with some of us in the media and went through the tape on all of these guys and, and had a bunch of college highlights. And one of the points that he made on Linderbaum is, is that he's going to allow us to do some things offensively that we hadn't done previously. And so then you start to say, well, what is that? What does that look like? In your mind, is that running more of a stretch zone, incorporating that more into the offense? I'd say more outside zone. Uh, like I said, his movement skills are elite. Outside zone, screen game. I mean, the Ravens haven't ran a screen since like 2009 that was successful so you know <laughs> there's a huge opportunity now to bring in some more zone concepts bring some screens in i think that would be great for you know if if they're seeing more blitz looks cover zero all that stuff that gets talked about well unlock the screen game and get guys out in space right right that's interesting stuff all right so let's move now to david ajabo uh, your vision of the Nigerian nightmare has come to fruition, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Do you have t-shirts made already? That's the question. I should have trademarked it. I keep messing all these financial opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with Ojabo, I mean, it, to me, it, it looks like the Ravens feel like they got a pure pass rusher, right? Like, like Owe, they all the talk was about the lack of production and all that, and they were like, well, this guy is going to be an elite run player, an elite run stopper, and then we think he'll develop as a pass rusher. With Ojabo, it's like, we got ourselves a pass rusher. This dude's expected to get double-digit sacks. I mean, what do you see in terms of his pass rush, even though he got a late start to football, that is really something special? He's just one of those guys that's twitched up. Like, his explosiveness off the line of scrimmage is stuff that you just don't see. I used to call him, basically, a, I call him a human experiment on the on the edge. And I say that because you hear him in all these interviews. He talks about learning from, like, Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson and all the guys he's played with in Michigan. And he's trying to take those things and incorporate it into his game. So there was like one play where he did a double spin. And I was like, I've never seen that before. <laughs> They're kind of kind of trying stuff. And I'm like, it's kind of funky. But um, I think it's great because, you know, he, especially if the Ravens do end up keeping Justin Houston on the staff, what a perfect mesh of a guy for him to learn from. Right. Uh, so I think that's a really exciting aspect. But those intangibles, things like his explosiveness, his first step, um, his length, all of that kind of stuff is just things you can't teach. And that's kind of one of the one of the key foundations of this draft class overall. You know, you got Linderbaum's athleticism, you got Kyle Hamilton's size, things that are kind of abnormal for the prospect. With Ojabo, it's his, it's, his, it's elite explosiveness up the field. So once he starts to pair that with, you know, NFL caliber coaching, it's very easy to see him kind of becoming that third down pass rusher that the Ravens have coveted for so long. Was he somebody, um, I mean, I think the Ravens were, again, going back to the initial point, shocked that he was there in the second, I mean, given the injury, but he never would have made it to that point without the injury. You know, as you watched him, because he came on late, it's not like this is a guy that, like, if, you know, going into the season that everybody was like, oh, he's going to be a first-round pick. You know, he kind of came on and with that one year at Michigan under Mike. What was it that, that kind of made him stand out in that one year in your mind? And how does that, when he gets on the field for the Ravens, how do you foresee them using him? Like, is it as a sub-package? Like, I think... I think of Pernell McPhee, his rookie year for the Ravens, and they use him kind of as a sub-package rusher, and he was able to go out there and be disruptive. How do you see him being used in his rookie season in Baltimore? I think, like, he's expected October, November, so I think right when he gets back, um, there's going to be that kind of getting up to speed uh, process. But right away, because he kind of missed his camp, he missed those early games where some of these rookies take those lumps. Um, I think you'll see him just as kind of a situational pass rusher, and it'll give the Ravens – a very nice rotation uh, on their defensive line with, you know, Campbell being back and the possibility of a return of Justin Houston, um, obviously away day or days, Dalen Hayes going into, going into year two. It's like, they have a healthy rotation. And so Ojabo can become that kind of guy that steps in and it's kind of similar to Kyle Hamilton, but I think Kyle Hamilton will play way more, but Ojabo is just in a very easy situation in the sense of, I'm just going to go out and chase the passer. And that's my focus. And so I think, you know, picks like, uh, you know, having Tyus Bowser, the work that he does at the Sam, having Owe, who's kind of a three-down <clears throat> player, it's going to give Ojabo a very easy transition into his NFL career because he's really going to be asked to pin his ears back, get after the passer. And that's something that the Ravens have needed for quite a long time, that impact uh, difference maker on their edge. So I think that's how I see his usage. 
I think there are aspects of his run defense that are definitely relevant. You saw him kind of come off the field against Georgia uh, a little bit in the semifinal game just because they were kind of running the ball away from Hutchinson at Ojabo. But there's also some tape out there of Ojabo um, having, you know, great plays against the run. And I think his, he has two kind of main areas of development. It's his run defense and it's his power rush game to pair with some of his speed rushes. Mm. And both of that, the development of him just developing a long arm would be beneficial for both areas. And that's where I think the coaching staff will really focus that attention is him developing that power get game, unlocking his length, that kind of speed to power conversion. Interesting. Interesting. Now, Travis Jones was another player that I know you were really high on. Uh, so for the Ravens to get him in the third round, I think you were probably thinking what second round when you, when you were pounding the table for the Ravens to take Travis Jones. I took him at 45 in so many mock drafts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, and, and Jones is a fun player. He really had his coming out party at the senior bowl. And I saw Jim Nagy tweet it the other day. Uh, the Ravens and the senior bowl just go together so well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So true. Six out of 11 of these guys were at the senior bowl. Um, which is fun because it's it's just such a fun event. So he had his coming out party because you know he's at, he's at UConn. He's getting triple teamed. I got I got a picture out there against Clemson where he literally had all three interior offensive linemen wow. on one play. Um, the amount of attention he took um, was insane. And you know he's a very fun player. He's that kind of new age nose tackle. I think he can do some three tech work, but it's kind of that new age nose tackle that can be the pocket pusher as well as a good run defender. He stacks offensive linemen really well uh, and is able to kind of use his length. He's got good length for an interior defensive lineman. So he's able to stack guys, peak the run play, make plays off of them. Uh, I think he, one thing that I noticed watching his tape, he plays with a very narrow base on pass rushing downs. And it almost looks like an edge player, which really speaks to how fluid of an athlete he is. It's really hard for those big guys to kind of narrow their base, just see them a little bit wider because, you know, they're just not as fluid in their lower body. So, uh, and it looks like he came into camp, uh, OTAs, I should say, I think 10 pounds down, which is also really exciting and why I think he might be able to do more three tech than I think he was getting credit for. Uh, and I think it's relevant to point out that at UConn, he actually played more in the B gap than in the A gap. So he's kind yeah. of already used to that. Um, but again, a guy that I could see being an impact guy uh, in a healthy D-line rotation works really well with Michael Pearson, Justin Matabike, because um, I think he can provide relief duties at both spots and create a nice rotation of pass rushers on the inside. But his ability to get under guys' pads, drive them back, push the pocket, it popped in the senior bowl. It popped on tape. I thought he showed a nice development of his pass rush repertoire. He has a nasty swim move for an interior guy, um, as well as a bull rip. And I think those pieces are going to have to become more consistent, but they're all evident on tape. And it's just a huge get in the third round, like such great value. Nice. So, so you want to talk about a huge Cole? doesn't get any bigger than Daniel Falele. Okay. So who the Ravens drafted in the fourth round, you know, with him, the Ravens, if all things go according to plan, you know, he won't necessarily play much as a rookie. Ronnie Stanley will be back. You got Morgan Moses at right tackle and Linderbaum at center. But they drafted him because he's a massive player who could end up being, you know, last time they drafted a guy in that mold, obviously it was Orlando Brown and he turned out to be a Pro Bowl player. So in your mind, when you've looked at his tape, like how NFL ready is he if he did have to step in as as a rookie? You know, we all saw last year the tackle depth is something that you can't have enough of, and it really hurts you if you don't have it. 
So if he were to have to step in this season, like how NFL ready do you think he is based on his college tape? I think he's an NFL ready run blocker. Um, he, the way he leans down on guys and on his down block opportunities, it's, it's just insane. Like he, he has pretty good pad level in the run game. And for a guy that big, I mean, he's so wide that like, it's, he just constantly moves guys and his athleticism is really what popped to me, especially in the run game. There's a clip that I highlighted in this, my film breakdown of him, of him perfectly mirroring Micah Parsons in an open field when he was play side on outside zone in 2019, when they played Penn state, love that game too. Cause I mean, you got that 2019 <laughs> Penn state defense was stacked and Falale had a great game in that one. Um, so I think that's kind of what's exciting about him is, you know, coming into a run heavy offense, he's kind of a pro ready run blocker. So it's a good fit, um, which I think was a resounding theme of this draft class. So many of these guys are coming into good situations here in Baltimore, which mm-hmm. is fun. And uh, it's his pass protection that I think is going to need the most uh, work and specifically his use of a vertical set at Minnesota. They didn't have, especially post Rashad Bateman, they didn't have a, you know, a, a very good passing game. So they were kind of a run first offense and used a lot of play action. Mm. So you're just not getting those reps. And he's already, he's only been playing football for five years. And so right. he's in an offense where he's not really being asked to do vertical sets. And that's what Orlando Brown Jr. mastered and what made him kind of the player he was. And you kind of, I, I think everyone saw there's that tweet of Orlando Brown Jr. retweeting uh, the thought about, or uh, Falale developing his vertical set, and he was like 100 or whatever. And yeah. so it's mm-hmm. just like kind of cool because the path to success for Daniel Falale being acknowledged by Orlando Brown Jr. is kind of the same. Development of that vertical set where he can square guys up. I think he's fluid enough to do it. It's all going to be about how can, how low can he keep his pad level consistently. Being six foot nine is just natural leverage. Um, how quickly can he get to a set point and deploying his length? He's got 35, 38. <clears throat> inch arms which is freakish um so it really is orlando brown jr like i think orlando brown jr coming out was a lot more technical and so that's going to be the learning curve that where Mm -hmm. brown jr was kind of once he took over after the bye week in 2018 he was kind of you know locked in and constant starter falale has a bigger learning curve because he just didn't do that type of stuff um so master his vertical set sky's the limit for this game Mm. What I'm interested in him is John Harbaugh said, yeah, he's going to play as a rookie. And maybe, you know, that could be taking over for Morgan Moses at right tackle at some point during the season, right? I mean, having Morgan Moses, even if he were your third tackle and he were kind of your swing guy, isn't a bad spot, right? Depends on Falele's, um, you know, progression and development. Well, he's going to be used as a fullback on goal line. Well, that too. Um, But I guess my question is, you know, could – could the Ravens see him as a potential at left guard? You know, does does, does he, like, is there any possibility of that? Like, when John says he's going to play as a rookie, like, that confidently, I'm like, okay, well, where? You know? It's going to be that extra lineman. But, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I remember when he said that, and I was like, what's he talking about? Because I, I don't think that it's a good fit, and it's mostly because mm-hmm. of his pad level. Um, and I mean, on the other hand, you did see Jonathan Ogden, but it's also Jonathan Ogden, so right. maybe not the best example to do a comparison. Uh, but he did play left guard at six foot nine. But it's just tough for these guys that are that tall 
that have that natural leverage for them to get low. It's right. kind of the funny thing when you read scouting reports on guys that, oh, it's like, doesn't play with great pad level. It's like, well, yeah, he's six foot nine. I mean, he's <laughs> been so much. Um, so I, I think there's that aspect, but I, I did wonder, Morgan Moses in 2020 played two and a half games in left tackle. That's how I took it. I kind of wondered if they saw, you know, Moses versus Falele with Juwan James sprinkled in there uh, as kind of a camp battle at right tackle, but maybe Moses is the guy they envision as that swing tackle to the left side as Ronnie works his way back. And now you have Patrick McCary kind of worked in there. And that's the fun thing. What I just described is they went from they, oh my God, the Ravens need offensive tackle options. to Now we have like five offensive tackle options. (laughs) Contingency plans are in place. It's got to be exciting for the team, kind of going into this season. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of how I took it. Was was that we injuries saw happen. injuries happen? You never essentially right. make it through an entire so season you can with all five. See that this guy's going to play exactly. I can just say he's going to play, and he'll probably play at some point out right. there. And, and where that is, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah. So, all right, keep it moving in the fourth round. Uh, your take on the two corners? Let's kind of group, the, uh, group these guys together here with Jalen Armour Davis out of Alabama, and then Demarion Williams, Pepe. Pepe Williams. Thank you. Pepe. I'm not sure if you knew that, uh, Cole. It's not Pepe Williams. I believe it's just Pepe. It's like his first and last name. It's just Pepe. Okay. Okay. He's Madonna. Okay. He's Madonna. He's LeBron. <laughs> um, but what are your take on these two guys? What is your take? I love Jalen Armour Davis. Such a Ravens fit. Uh, you know, when you kind of think of, you know, Anthony Averett out the door, enter Jalen Armour Davis. What a natural transition. I wouldn't say they're the same player. They do have some similar strengths and weaknesses. I think Bama corners fit really well in the Ravens defensive scheme. Saban plays a lot of that kind of cover one where, or cover one, cover three, where they're being asked to do a lot of press on the outside. And that's what you kind of see the Ravens being asked to do. And the Ravens love big, long corners um, that, and Jalen Armour Davis has really nice athleticism. Uh, I think it didn't always, he kind of struggled with his lateral mobility and he had stiffer hips. So when he kind of had to turn and do that long run, I think he got beat deep a couple times. Um, that was really the only thing that kind of stood out to me, uh, but very similar to uh, Anthony Averett. Averett wasn't as big, but some similar strengths and weaknesses. So I think, I think that's really exciting. And then when you look at, I guess I'll call him Pepe. I didn't know that, so that, I just learned something today. So yeah, there you <laughs> go. Pepe. That, that, that's <laughs> the kind of thing that we, we instruct you on that. You give us the film breakdown, we, we give the you the names. names. Yeah. It's the three uh, dynamic three. Yeah, exactly. Um, so with, with the Marion, again, talk about a Ravens fit. Scrappy uh, guy <laughs> on, the, on the line of scrimmage. As He played a lot of uh, wide corner uh, last year. But when he did play in the slot, I think that's really where the Ravens probably envision him as kind of that slot corner piece that they're replacing Tavon Young. Um, and he plays just kind of like people loved Young because he was so scrappy. Mm-hmm. He was able to kind of body guys. He was made tackles. He was, wasn't afraid to get his nose in there. And that's what you kind of see from uh, from Williams. He's got really nice quickness going laterally, should fit really well in the slot. And then when you look at kind of the way the Ravens can play matchups, you know, Kyle Hamilton – could be that kind of slot corner that, you know, or even Marlon Humphrey where they're kind of dealing with the bigger physical big slots, like the Keenan Allens of the world mm-hmm. playing the slot in the NFL now. But when you, there's still those short little quick guys, you know, that give you Julian Edelman nightmares. Um, and that's where I think uh, Demarion Williams really fits in, that guy that can play sideline to sideline, quickness. Um, he's There's some incidents of him getting beat deep. He's definitely quicker than fast. 
Um, and I think he kind of loses ground once he gets beat deep, but scrappy, physical guy that just fits so well in what the Ravens look for in slot. I want to go back a little bit to Kyle Hamilton, and you kind of mentioned those, you know, the Keenan Allen or or maybe even it's a Chase Claypool, you know, kind of that bigger slot receiver sometimes. You, you see Kyle being fast enough to kind of just line up one-on-one with them in the slot and run with those guys? I think it's going to be a tough transition, so you might not see it right away. I think mm-hmm. they'll probably ask him to do, when they bring him down into the box, I think they'll kind of look at him as a tight end guy. But mm-hmm. that's where I see him developing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how Notre Dame used him. I mean, a lot of those slot snaps were on wide receivers. Um, and again, I think his play speed is good enough that he can get there. It's going to be a huge adjustment because I think the biggest concern you'd have with Kyle Hamilton as like a slot corner. And I know sometimes people are like, well, he's a safety. How can he be a slot corner? A lot of these safeties kind of come down and handle those matchup dudes. Right. Um, and that's how I see him. He's kind of that matchup guy that helps out, can push, you know, Marlon Humphrey back inside if they have a different outside corner on the field, makes sense if Jalen Davis comes along really quickly. Um, so I think those skills, it's going to be about how much quicker can he get as a player? How can he transition that um, into his into his game? But I, I think the ability is there. I, I think that's kind of down the road, but it's there. Right, right. Okay, so let's move to the tight ends. Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely. Uh, I mean, Kohler seems like a Mark Andrews, like 2.0 kind of Mark Andrews. It's baby Mark Andrews. That's, <laughs> that's what we should call him, baby Mark Andrews. We like to just kind of set low expectations here. All right, Falele, you're going to be the next Orlando Brown. Well, all- it is kind of crazy how they signed, they drafted all these guys that were like they had previous th- versions. Similar cops. Yeah. yeah. Anthony Averett, Tavon Young. Yeah. Um, now, Likely is kind of his own guy. I don't know really who to compare him to. Pitta? Kind right. of, I, I I don't know. What do you, what do you see with those two tight ends? I kind of saw a little bit of Hayden Hurst in his game. Okay, in Col in Colar or or which one? Which one for oh, him? And Isaiah Likely. Okay, yeah, in Charlie Kohler. Um, and it was so fun hearing Kohler talk about like how much he watched Mark Andrews in mm-hmm. Oklahoma. That's always just a cool story. And now he shows up into his first NFL room and. Wow, there's Mark Andrews. Uh, yeah. I just love those little backstories. Yeah. So that's what I think they saw in Kolar is like, you know, they, they kind of did it last year with Josh Oliver where they looked at more of a typical Y tight end. And so they bring in Kolar, who's kind of like seen, I, I think, as the depth piece. And the way Kolar won a lot, when he plays above the rim and he has a basketball background, when he plays above the rim, he's dominant. And so it's kind of one of those guys that I think can make an impact in the red zone. Um I do wonder how early he can get on the field just because Mark Andrews is there. Mark Andrews is Mark <laughs> right. Andrews, you know. Um, so that's going to be, again, it's a good situation, though, where you're building depth. You're allowing guys to kind of work together to develop the younger guys. Um, and it benefits the Ravens because, God forbid, knock on wood, if, if, any, if Andrews right. goes down for an extended period, right. they now have that kind of natural fit as a Y that can work in the slot as well. And that's what I think they see in Kohler transition into Isaiah likely um, he does remind me of a typical move tight end. A lot of the stuff Hayden Hurst did, um, especially in that 2019 offense. Um, you know, he kind of works as a, an F and a U does a lot of stuff off motion. He ran wheel routes quite a bit at coastal Carolina. I think he had like a 15.5 yards per catch. And that's just his ability to his athleticism when he gets matched up on linebackers, when he can work seams, 
He was doing a lot of wheel routes out on the outside, um, very fluid, but very physical. And I think that's the thing that's not getting talked about enough with Likely. They used his move abilities to get him out in space against DPs and second uh, second level players like linebackers. And they just asked him to kind of be that lead blocker. I don't think people are kind of acknowledging enough how much that fits for the Ravens when they run option concepts and leave guys on block. Mm. So they'll leave guys up at the line of scrimmage on block. They'll use arc releases from tight ends, arc releases from the tackle on the play side to get into the second level and open those seams. That's what Nick Boyle does so well. You saw Tomlinson do it well. Um, and I think likely is very underrated. He's not getting a lot of credit as a blocker. I don't think he's going to come in and be an inline Nick Boyle, Patrick right. Ricard type blocker. That's not his game, but the best thing, and my buddy Michael Crawford says it the best, Greg Roman will find you someone to <laughs> block and he'll put you in that position. And so I think that's the best fit here is, you know, using him on a jet motion and then kind of leaking him into the secondary while they run a veer concept and Lamar's taken off and there's likely springing it uh, downfield. I think there's a lot of ways to use him. So move tight end. Um, I think he can play a little bit in the slot, but I really think his ability to kind of move around the formation, which the Ravens do so well. That's right. one of Greg Roman's biggest strengths with his tight end usage. Um, so I think that's what I see as his path to success. Cole, be honest with us. When you were going through this process and preparing for the draft, did you watch any punter tape? Were you watching any Jordan Stout highlights during this <laughs> process? No, and I, but I could see that a lot of Ravens fans apparently did. Because because that was the thing, right? It was, you know, Matt Ariza had the, the boom leg where he's punting at 70 yards and there's no hang time, but it's going 70 yards. Right. Um, but I, I think that was uh, definitely, I'm not the one, you don't want me scouting your punters, um, <laughs> but I do do the research and look into these guys and obviously seeing, the accuracy, the ability to hang the ball out, force inside the 20 fair catches, huge strength of stouts. He also has some of the best flow on the team. Love his, his box, <laughs> so I'm excited, excited I, to see that hair. His biopic, I, I noticed the same thing yesterday. Like, just his, like, bio. I was like, oh, wow. He's got, like, the man bun with the long hair, kind of. I was, Yeah, it's, wow. he's got the look down, you know, so yeah. a lot of swag for a punter. All right, let's let, we'll let you out of here on the last uh, pick here, uh, Cole. Uh, Tyler Beatty. Um, look, when the Ravens drafted him and I look at the stats, I've said this before, like, I'm just like, how did this guy in the SEC with, you know, big production last until the sixth round? What was your take on him? And and do you think he is somebody that can make an impact on this offense as a rookie? I I do because I see Mm. him being used as a pass catcher. Um, and so I think the biggest thing, and we saw this last year with Tyson Williams, with these young running backs, the biggest way to get them on the field early is to excel in pass protection. And so I think there's examples on his film of Beatty kind of, you know, misiding, And those are things that I think will come, but you don't see an unwilling blocker. And I think that's a huge value add for him. He kind of reminds me a lot of Tariq Cohen in that way, where mm-hmm. he can be a contributor in the pass game. Uh, as a pass protector, I think he'll get there. He'll need some development, but his ability to kind of get out um, in the slot, even do some motion stuff that the Ravens like to do with running backs. Um, I see kind of that immediately being a value for the offense. And I mean, you might see Dobbins and Edwards come back a little slower. Um, you know, who knows when they're going to kind of make an immediate impact and maybe the Ravens spend September 
working them in, and maybe it's kind of Mike Davis doing a lot of the running work right. using Beatty as a pass catcher. Um, well, Davis you know, gets the ball too. Six for Yeah, and and that's what I think is so exciting about him, uh, especially when we talk about Tyler Linderbaum making an impact on the screen game. Mm. Let's get Beatty out there in space with Linderbaum blocking for him. I think that's really exciting. So getting him in the sixth round was crazy. I really, I never in my wildest dream did I think he'd fall that far, but I kept saying that all weekend. So, I mean, that was just <laughs> the story of the Ravens draft. Um, but I, I like, I like him a lot. Um, I, I think I'm a little lower on him the most as a between the tackle runner, um, just because of his size, but he does have really good contact balance. So again, if the Ravens want to unlock zone concepts, get him outside the tackle, I can see also see, you know, just an additional skill set. It's kind of like, you know, J.K. Dobbins can do it all. Edwards is a hammer, and then Beatty's kind of your lightning. That, that's how you can kind of see the three work together. Nice, nice. Very cool. Well, thank you, Cole. We really appreciate it. For all of our listeners out there, make sure you check out Cole Jackson. Follow him on Twitter, and you can also find him on YouTube at Two Guys Watching Football. Thanks a lot, Cole. You, you, you know what? We'll give you the early guru. <laughs> you don't even have to make it to a third episode. You get the guru. It was so title. good after two. Yeah, it was well done. Thank All you, right, Cole. Thank you, Cole. Okay, so Ryan Mint Guru is going. <laughs> there you go. Thank, thank you guys so much. I All right, you thank you. See ya. All right, well, great stuff from Cole. Uh, let's take a minute to remind you before we continue this conversation mm-hmm. that the sports landscape is ever changing, and this week is no different. DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, still has daily fantasy contests running for those looking to have skin in the game. It's simple, even for you, Garrett. Each (laughs) player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap and then sit back and watch your points pile up. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app now and sign up using, using code FLOCK. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code FLOCK, only at DraftKings. Here's the best part. I, I could do this real fast. All right, like let's the, hear it. Like let's the commercials, it. you ready? Usually I'm the one that reads it, but... I got, I got you. Watch this. You want the opportunity here. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. That was pretty good! <laughs> you didn't screw up at all. <laughs> that was pretty good! Well done. Well done. Uh... So yeah, it was it was great to hear from Cole. Um, obviously, I, I I always like his uh, breakdown on the offensive line. Uh, I think he spends a lot of time in that area in particular. Um, and it was it, you know O line D line. I think the trench work is mm-hmm. it also the trench work is in all honesty. I think the most difficult to assess just as a fan as you're watching the game. Right, like right. if you see a guy get burnt at corner, you can be like that guy got burnt. I saw that. <laughs> right. That was easy to assess. Right. Or a guy makes a great play as a receiver. <laughs> right. So the, the trench work is always difficult to assess when you're talking about third and fourth round picks. Yep. And so it was, it was really good to get his insight on that. Yeah, I, I, th- I like the stuff about Kyle Hamilton. You know, the, the only thing that I was, you know, we were running out of time a little bit because you had to get to a meeting, uh, <laughs> was that, uh, you know, he talked about how Kyle Hamilton's in a good position um, when starting out because, like, he just feels like it's simplified kind of. But at the same time, he was saying that he plays all these multiple spots. So I, I think what he was saying was that he did that at Notre Dame, and they're going to use him in Baltimore very similar to the way they use him at Notre Dame. But but that's a lot of different spots, right? And if you're playing slot in in the NFL, I think there's a lot more responsibilities necessarily than there are in college, my yeah, guess. Yeah, Once yeah. again, I'm just dumbing down this conversation. Yeah. Because I'm dumb. <laughs> um, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like the game is elevated, obviously, at the NFL level. 
Um, and if they're playing Kyle Hamilton in a lot of different spots, and he said this after rookie minicamp, he was like, it's harder than I expected. Mm-hmm. Kyle, and I, I appreciated that from him. Like, it was very honest and forthright. He's like, yeah, this is tough, you know? And um, especially when you're bouncing around to multiple spots like he is. And now the Ravens like to throw the rookies in the deep end and kind of, you know, hit them with a lot of information and then play catch up in a way. Um, and I think maybe they're doing that with Kyle Hamilton. But it's just interesting, and I, I'm I'm still curious to see exactly how he'll be deployed. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that was kind of part of my question to Cole is, you know, when you hear that a guy plays all these different positions, what does that really mean? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And then do you, mm-hmm. do you kind of, do you, how, how does that translate? Do you hone in on one position? You kind of get that down or do you do a little bit of everything all the, and that's your, that is your position. That is your position. Right. And so I think that how the Ravens use him will kind of depend on how quickly he picks it up. I think it will depend on, you know, as you mentioned, there's been speculation about whether the Ravens part ways with Chuck Clark. Certainly. If they, were to, if they were to part ways with him, then that would change things in a pretty big way. Yeah. So he is incredibly talented and physically gifted. So, like, and, and I thought he made a great point, which is one of the same points that, that Joe Ortiz made when he did that film breakdown session is, mm-hmm. like, his – processing speed is very high yeah i and thought that was a good point like that he just <clears throat> picks up things quickly you can see that on tape you can mm-hmm. see that on the field and that is going to help allow him to make that transition easily you know what else i think that people don't really talk about and there's been a lot of discussion about his speed is just how much his length al- allows him to maybe not necessarily be the four four guy in speed right like he just hawks people down because he's so long mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's like I, it's just kind of crazy. Like you, you know, if you have a five foot ten guy running really fast and a six foot four dude, the six foot four dude doesn't have to run. It's like me and you in a race. <laughs> like you're slow, but you have these long legs, so you cover ground. I'm you just, know, I'm just a graceful athlete. No, you're just so slow, but you're long. Me. That's why your daddy long legs. <laughs> I'm a graceful athlete, me and Kyle Hamilton. You're going to become Daddy Longlegs. Now, right now, you're just Longlegs. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually. Soon here. Soon here, August. Daddy, you're going to graduate. Yes, exactly. I'm going to earn that nickname. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I thought, I, thought that was, I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, I thought a point that he made, too, on uh, Daniel Falele was uh, that— Falele. Falele, uh, that was interesting, was that his, af- his athleticism really stands out. And that he thinks that's going to allow him—because you, you hear the size, and you just think, oh, great size mm-hmm. totally but the athleticism and and that's something that joe ortiz also p- pointed to is in the run blocking like how low falele gets yeah like how well he can bend and um you know not just at the waist but like he gets his pad level low and that's really impressive it's probably that rugby background certainly i'm sure um, it helps that that has a role in that and then it was fun to talk with him about linderbaum because he was the one that really kind of threw us off you know from one he of the did. early guys he threw us off the scent he threw us off early on is <laughs> is cole actually is he basically just is that his his job here? Is he employed by Eric? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, he he basically he has the insight and he's throwing everybody off. You know, Eric said when we had him on the podcast, he likes all the games that go along during this time of year. So maybe Cole's part of that. Maybe he's playing some of the games. Yeah, playing them games. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for listening. Oh wait, wait, we did have an email. Hold Ooh, on, one Ry- email here. We had one email from Riley. Okay, that I wanted to get to Riley Rumberg. Our Often emails us. We appreciate it, right? At the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. Thank you very much. He says, boys. 
a lot of S's. Okay. Uh, says, hope all is well with both of you beauties. <laughs> That's a first. Yeah, never heard that one before. <laughs> That's a first. I'm getting so excited for this upcoming season. As for the draft, it didn't go how I wanted at all. Instead, it went better. Said, stoked we got Ojabo and Fa'alele, as those were two guys I was very high on. That first round was something special, though. Um, said, locking up those two in the first is going to be massive for us. Lastly, Armour Davis is going to be a stud. Roll Tide. couple questions. Said, our O-line is looking like it's going to have so much depth and will be one of the biggest we have ever seen. What are your projections for the starting lineup? Okay, he okay. has his here, but I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, well, it is going to be big, and I... I you know, I know you guys. We talked about it with Cole. Is like where Falele ends up. I just don't. I, I don't see him on the field unless there's injuries. Mm-hmm. So my starting lineup is Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. I think left le- guard is the one here. Right. I'll come back to that. I think Senator oh! Tyler Linderbaum. I think right guard is uh, Kevin, Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler, and then right tackle is Morgan Moses. At left guard, as it stands right now, I am going to give Ben Cleveland the edge. Okay. I'm going to put him in the starting lineup. He's a massive guy, third-round pick from a year ago. Honestly, I don't know that there's any leader in the clubhouse. Like, I think him and Tyree Phillips and, and Patrick McCarry, Ben Powers, like, mm. I honestly don't see a leader in that group. I was I was watching our schedule release video. You know, we had Ben Cleveland in there, and we had Tyree Phillips in there. <laughs> and I was kind of trying to grade that, you yeah. know, get a scouting The report. chase down? The chase down. Okay. Who got to him fat? I think Cleveland was there a little bit, a shade ahead of Tyree. <laughs> Kind of buried him at the last second there after Ricard gave him the shove. Okay. So I'm going to give Cleveland the edge <laughs> just based off of what I've seen on the field so far. Okay. Um, no, I, I agree. I think what's interesting is Pat McCary is the, really an interesting one here. You know, is he, he's probably your top backup at any of the yeah. interior positions, left guard, center, or right guard. And then Falele would be your, I would say, I mean, it depends on what happens to Juwan James. If if Morgan Moses weren't ready to go week one, probably Juwan James would be your starting right tackle. If whatever, yeah, for whatever reason, Morgan Moses weren't ready to go week one, or Ronnie Stanley, obviously, if he weren't ready to go, who's your left tackle? Is that McCary or is that Morgan Moses or Juwan James, one of the veterans? It ain't going to be Falele. Yeah. Um. So I kind of see the veteran being the top backup at the tackle spots early on, and then Falele being your swing tackle, well, maybe not the left tackle, but he'd be your top right tackle backup, and the other guy would probably swing to the left. Yeah, and I think McCary, you know, it, it would be interesting if he ends up not in the starting lineup, considering, obviously, the Ravens gave him the contract a year ago, but... I do think he's a, he has a shot at left guard. And like, I, I, John Harbaugh specifically said, I mean, I think he said, like, McCary's the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, he said he could... I, I just think his versatility to basically be the super sub backup at all five offensive line positions is so valuable that that may end up being where he lands. And then you could end up in like, you want to talk about getting playing time. If you're the backup to all five offensive line positions, that's basically a guarantee that you're going to play a significant amount. Right, right, right. And then here's the next question from Riley says, I have nothing but faith in our wide receiver group. This is the big talking point right now. Uh, he says, but it's certainly time. It's certainly time for Duvernay and Prochet to step up. That being said, it would be awesome to add a vet like Julio Jones, AB, or Odell. Are mm. we talking Antonio Brown, AB? He is. <laughs> what AB are you talking that about? I don't know, but I'm like, that's got to be a different AB because that ain't <laughs> happening. Um, he says, what do you think? All right, so here's my thing with the veteran wide receiver. I honestly think that this signing. 
to me is kind of the equivalent of a Sammy Watkins signing. I'm not, you know, yeah. like Sammy wasn't a, you know, you wish he stayed healthier or whatever, but like he made some plays, especially early in the season. I, I honestly think it's time to give DuVernay and Prochet the opportunity and the, the snaps, the avenue to show what they've got. Because when they've had it, They've seized it, right? And you can't keep saying, well, the Ravens can't develop wide receivers. They can't draft and develop wide receivers if you don't give them an opportunity. If, like, every time these guys have a chance, you sign a veteran that takes their snaps away, Mm -hmm. right? Like, ultimately, you have to say, all right, you know what? You've earned it. And, like, I understand, let's say Boykin, for example, right? Like, he just didn't show enough in his snaps. Well, in the limited snaps that we've seen of DuVernay and Perche, they've done it. So they earned it, in my opinion, right? But I do think the Ravens, like, you have to have a plan B, and you have to have depth. And that's why I like a budget veteran wide receiver signing. And Jarvis might have just been a little bit too rich for what the Ravens wanted to spend on that kind of signing. Yeah, I'm looking at the 2 to $3 million range, right, as opposed to the 6 to $7 million range, yeah. right? Like, But I do think they, they absolutely need some depth. Just in case you were to have DuVernay go down to, for an injury or whatever, you have to have somebody that can step in at that number two wide receiver role. Yeah, But, like... I'm ready. I'm here for it. I'm putting my stamp on it. Bateman, Duvernay, Prochet. Like, I'm ready to see the next iteration of the Ravens' young wide receivers. Well, I did final drive on this um, on Tuesday, and Rashad Bateman agrees. Uh, someone basically tweeted at him with an article that was on ESPN saying, can the Ravens, Ravens win now with their current receiving core? Bateman said, we can and we will. Uh, y'all talk too much. Y'all y'all talk much. Yeah. Uh, I think so, the two, he, he definitely meant the, the two is implied. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's implied. Um, and so, like, I, I, I have high hopes for this young receiving core. I, I think that they're thin on depth. And, yeah. and so, like, if you do have an injury, you're going to – to Bateman, you're right. – you know, You're kind of in a tough spot. You're in a tough spot. I think that there will still be another receiver that gets added to the team at some point. Like, Agreed. You know, like, Odell is an interesting one. He showed that, you know, I think when he got when he ended up in LA last year, the question was like, what's he got left? And then he showed he still got a lot left. Um, but like, but he's coming off a torn. He's yeah, coming off right. a torn ACL. When's he going to be available? Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's I the mean, question. There's questions like, I don't no, know. when when is he going to be available? That's it's a big. One. It's the question. Um, and so maybe it's not him, but right. maybe maybe that could be during the season if he doesn't sign previously. Like if it's somebody like a Julio Jones, right? Like to me, that guy comes in and and it's not in a complimentary role to you know like. You're not. I would be shocked if, like, Duvernay, they said, you know what, Duvernay's going to take the lion's share, Julio. You're the backup to Devin Duvernay, mm-hmm. and he's going to sign that contract. Right, right. Like, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. To me, it's somebody that has to come in on a, uh, you know, a tighter budget that the Ravens have, like, and they know they're a role player. And, hey, you're going to be part of the mix. You're going to be the top four. You're basically saying this top four it's guys. Some, but it's similar like, to what Sammy Watkins was last year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's similar to what Sammy Watkins was last year. And I, and I can see that. I don't know who that is. That could be a trade. I mean, Eric DaCosta turns over every stone. So There's like always wide receivers that shake loose. Jeremy Macklin. I mean, mm-hmm. that didn't work out for the Ravens. Uh, but like, there's wide receivers that shake loose. Yeah. yeah. It just is. Yeah. And so I think the Ravens will add one. And here's my point to the whole thing. If I, the Ravens are on a limited budget right now and they still have needs, right? Like they have to sign a, a veteran outside linebacker, I think, because you have Tyus Bowser and Ojabo is not going to be ready, right? I think Justin Houston makes a whole lot of sense there, but that has to get done, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then, like we said, we, we also need another corner, right? So that is a big spot. And to me, I would if I'm spending more at one spot than the other, I'm spending more at corner than I am at wide receiver. 
Corner's interesting. I don't want to take this too long, but like we're talking about Kyle Hamilton and all the things he can do. You got Marcus Peters. You got Marlon Humphrey. That's what I asked. Like I don't see Kyle Hamilton just lined and up we got in the slot against wide receivers. Like when they go three wide, which a lot of teams go three mm-hmm. wide receiver. So you're feeling pretty strong about Brandon Stevens being in the slot there or one of the fourth-round picks? Well, fourth-round rookie? Brandon Stevens showed a lot last year. Sure, but he's like now he's already a converted running back corner who then converted kind of to safety last year. Like Now he's, just like, going, now he's going back, you know? He's going back, but, I mean, I think that that's a spot where I'd like to add a vet. I'd like to add another person. I, I would like to add depth there. I would like to add depth there because you're one of those top two. I mean, both your top two corners are coming back from season-ending injuries. Also, there's that. Um, At least the wide receivers are coming back healthy. And I'm not worried about especially well, Marlon. I think, I think Marlon and Marcus will be healthy yeah. for the record. Um, but, yes, I, I, I'm i on board adding somebody there. But I do. I don't feel like more. it's a it's a massive – I don't see it as a huge need given the versatility that the Ravens have in the secondary with Brandon Stevens, with Kyle Hamilton, and then the fourth-round picks. Now, you want you do want to limit how much the fourth-round picks are thrust into the action. Exactly. But that's why you have Hamilton, and that's why you have Brandon I, Stevens. I just, I just think that if a wide receiver were to, were to go down or whatnot, like you can pivot the offense and kind of make up for that loss. 2019, the Ravens didn't have a wide receiver that topped 600 yards, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you can do other things and still have success on offense, right, if you're a little shorthanded or haven't invested a lot of resources at wide receiver. The Ravens have shown they can have success with that, right? right? At corner, if your corners start dropping, you're fried. You are toast, my friend. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you're one-on-one, you know? Like, sure, more safe, put a bunch of safeties on the field. I guess, yeah. But like that guy gets one on one. Yeah, that's a fair point. Yeah, you can. You it's harder to mask. It's harder to mask. It's harder to mask. We saw it last year when the Ravens got shorthanded at corner. What happened? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a fair point. Anyway, thanks for listening. That kind of went a little long, but (laughs) Riley, you get us fired up every time. Thanks for the email, buddy. As always, like Garrett said, you can reach us at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net, and we'll be back with you next week.